We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one way. What is the other way? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, Sound on Sites TV podcast. I'm Kate Kulzik, and I'm joined by... Simon Howell. So, Simon, how's the, how's the week been? Uh, well, we've got a film festival gearing up here soon, so I'm just getting ready for the next onslaught. Uh, but it's been a it's been a pretty solidish week of TV, I think, uh, with obviously some exceptions. Well, yeah, there's always at least one, isn't there? Um, but it's been a fun it's been a fun week. I've really enjoyed. There's been a lot of stuff going on at the website. Um, one of our one of my articles was featured on IMDb, and so we got just a slew of responses to this a list I did a few weeks back about like what TV universes you both would and would not want to live in, and so that's been really fun to watch the back and forth there. You know, is Lost a pro or a con? You know, there's some, some nice discussion about Star Trek TNG and whether it's actually a totalitarian regime. So that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been it's been a lot of Oh, good stuff. And I want to thank you guys, listeners, because we, we met our goal last week. We set, you know, I set the goal of let's try to get, you know, one comment on the site. We got two. So twice our goal. Go team. Thank you for T-Mac and Sean for commenting. They unfortunately leaned more towards your view of last week's Breaking Bad. So apparently I am not in the majority. Oh, well, I, I, I uh, doff my cap, sir. Um, well, sometimes you just have to accept that you're wrong. I mean, that's it. That's all you got to do. <laughs> well, we can't, I mean, I can't bat a thousand, I suppose, but I still stand by. I still stand by my review. Um, but yeah, so there was uh, some talk about that. And then also they put their two cents in on what they think our next show that we spotlight should be. So um, some votes for Fringe and Homeland and some other things like that. But we'll see. I guess we'll kinda, or we're going to kind of play that week to week, right? I think so. I think Homeland's definitely a contender, though. We'll see how it holds up after the premiere. Yeah. Um, I also got a couple of tweets I want to mention from from Dan, and also, I'm not sure if it's either Sean or Greg from the Zero Pretension podcast, but uh, Dan and I had a little exchange about Ringer, and we'll get to, to that in our week in TV, but we're both on, pretty much on the same page there, and... Uh, and zero, uh, zero potential guys uh, had a comment about Rico. If for those who listened through to the end, I stuck an outtake on last week's episode because my sister has a dog and his name is Rico Suave, and he likes to bark a lot, which made our recording last week interesting. Um, but it also inspired my article for this week, which is going to be top TV dogs. So going to do a list there. Any any people that I should make sure to put in the list or any dogs I should make sure to put on the list? Mm, TV dogs. I mean, you should really be talking to Rick about this. He's, he's the dog obsessive. Um, hmm. I mean, you can't go wrong with wishbone. Yeah, I, exactly. Right. Wishbone is fabulous. Now, what are your thoughts? Right. Scooby-Doo pro or con? Um, you know, I'm more partial to the, um, 
Uh, at one point in Venture Brothers, they had an evil uh, Scooby-Doo ripoff, which mm-hmm. I was much more partial to than actual Scooby-Doo. If you ever catch up on Venture Brothers, you'll see it. It's it's one of their best parodies. So I will have. I'm going to have to do some last minute research before I put my article out tomorrow, so that I make sure that I can, you know, include that evil Scooby-Doo on the list if if possible. So that's. Thank you for, for that suggestion. Mm. Um, we also have, of course, at the website, we have reviews up uh, by Giannis for Community. And I wasn't sure whether I should review Supernatural or Fringe. So I took the, the logical and rational approach <laughs> of reviewing both. So I'm going to be reviewing both. Um, and if somebody wants to volunteer to take over one of those for me, please drop us an email at, you know, <laughs> the televerse at gmail.com because it's probably going to come back to bite me but for yeah, now I... you only drop like you only drop like six thousand words on them total this week well you know there's six episodes you're just under a thousand <laughs> words a piece it you know it works whatever it's cool um mm. and then of course your review for the breaking bad uh, finale will be up on the website and we're gonna talk all about that later in the podcast with uh with ricky from the sound on site uh, radio podcast but um and then also next week we should be having the walking dead will be premiering we should be having reviews up on the website i we think we're thinking there's going to be a written review yes yes i'm not sure who's going to be doing that yet but it should be happening and then of course we're going to be starting up the walking dead podcast uh, as well there should be a preview episode for this second season coming out this week on the website too so lots of fun things happening over at soundonsite.org um, but any last thoughts before we get into our weekend TV? No, I think we've carried on quite enough. Okay, let's let's get into this. Uh, on Tuesday, I, as Dan and I were discussing on Twitter, uh, I am still watching Ringer, and it's not good. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I really, I don't know why I'm still watching it. Like I said last week, Sarah Michelle Gellar was better this week. Definitely improved because she got to be happier, and so therefore she was more funny and and charismatic and so there were some definite improvements but it's still it's just not it's not a good show don't i shouldn't be watching it you shouldn't be watching it i think that's enough said about ringer um oh except that the ratings keep slipping it's down to a 0.6 so we'll see how much longer it's around because that's not good even for the for the cw and hater got canceled Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, not the first cancellation of the season. It was beaten out by the Playboy Club and free agents. But haters' ratings were not that much worse than Ringer's. I think it was like a point four, And so with Ringer at a point six and far more expensive for them to produce, we'll see just how long they're willing to give that just for the Sarah Michelle Geller factor. I mean, do you have any thoughts? Oh, it's a goner. I think um, I would, I mean, I'd like to give myself some credit for, about a month ago, predicting the Playboy Club would be the first one out, so yay me! Playboy <laughs> Club was 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 also expensive to produce, and nobody liked it, so it was gone. I think Ringer is going to follow a similar pattern. Probably, um, but more successful, I would say, on on Tuesday was uh, was Glee. Though I'm curious how more successful you think it was than the previous two weeks' episodes. Now, is this the longest stretch you've gone watching Glee week to week? Uh, since I would say early season two. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's, that's true. This one was all over the place for me. Um, I think, I mean, the Mike Chang stuff was fine, although it felt very familiar. Like I felt like I'd seen this specific, even just like specifically uh, relating to Asian teenagers. Like I feel like this is, this is well-worn territory. 
uh, I mean, it, it was well done, and Mike Chang's a, a really, you know, a sympathetic figure, and that, that stuff works. But, you know, nothing new, really. On the other hand, the stuff with Will and Emma was awful, I thought. Just unbearably awful. Especially because, correct me if I'm wrong, but haven't they been treating her OCD tendencies sort of like a joke for two and a half seasons? Well, sporadically, every now and again, it becomes the issue of the week, and they take it seriously and dramatically. But for the most most part, it's yes, been a punchline. Right. So, but here they try to take it seriously, but then they make her parents these ridiculous caricatures, and and then the the whole Coldplay thing at the end was so wrong, oh, so wrong. Fix you, really? Oh God. Yeah. No, that didn't work for me at all. What did you think uh, of, I mean, I have plenty of thoughts here, but what did you think of the Mercedes and Rachel uh, plotline that we got? Well, it led to lots of big showy showstopper performances, which they're a big fan of. Um, I think Mercedes is one of the more interesting characters kicking around. So, I mean, that, that plotline was, was, uh, was probably the most interesting of the week to me. And it also felt like something that would naturally occur in the universe, unlike, you know, the, the whole everything to do with with Emma's parents. I'm, I'm getting upset just thinking about it. Oh, that's interesting, because <laughs> for me, oh, man, I thought that, while I agree, I am not interested in the Will and Emma plot line or, or their relationship, at least as it's being, you know, examined now. I thought that the fact that her parents are ginger supremacists was hilarious and i i really actually enjoyed that that scene that we, where we were introduced to them but the the mercedes and rachel plotline for me was terrible and this is something that you you know you you dropped out of uh watching last season do when it started getting kind of terrible like it was last mm -hmm. season but this is something that they've done to death and they've done it almost every season and I'm tired of people quitting the Glee Club or the, the diva off thing between Rachel and Mercedes. They've played this literal uh, exact plot several times and I'm tired of it. And it's just, it's, you know, the, the stuff we get here with, with Brittany and with Mike, I liked. And of course, anytime they let those two actors dance, they're just so... Uh, Mm -hmm. they're so charismatic and they draw they demand your attention with their performances and so i really liked getting to see more of them but i'm sorry what sort of terrible abusive household must rachel come from to have to be this terrible of a person to need validation <laughs> so much at this point i don't want to meet her dads because she cannot have a happy home life and be this pathetic and desperate for approval have you ever met theater kids <laughs> i okay i did pits for musicals all through high school i have, have i've oh you did pit. that's different that's different i understand but what i mean is i've been tangentially you know exposed to theater kids and and i can understand doing this story but they've done it so many times and actually and frankly yeah. at this point rachel is a terrible person and nobody should be friends with her and i don't understand what what finn is still seeing in her other than pretty um so yeah and then also every time they have a diva off on the show i feel like they pick the wrong person as having won the in the kurt and rachel diva off with defying gravity i believe it was uh kurt won that by a landslide 
despite his terrible fracked note that uh, he had. And in this one, uh, Mercedes did not win that diva off. She was definitely not as good as Rachel on that song. And so when they're trying to convince us of something like this, they need, you know, they need to not leave it up to up to chance and up to the viewer's perspective because there is no way Mercedes would make a better Maria. And also, if you're casting something like West Side Story, maybe again I'm bringing too much reality into it. If you're there's a tie in your Marias, you know what you do? You bring in Tony and you see who works with Tony and that's how you cast the role. So when they're demanding or they're attempting to go for some sort of realism in the emotion and the character developments and stuff like this, uh, and and then they are so devoid of reality and the other aspects of the same plot lines, it drives me nuts. So, uh, yeah. But I like the Mike Chang stuff. Ryan Murphy, if you're listening, I think uh, you need to make room for another consultant on the show. Because, uh, n- not that they haven't added like seven this year. <laughs> well, you know, and it's just... I thought that last week's episode was such an improvement, and then right back this week, of course, this is the third episode, and it was written by the mm-hmm. third of the three creators, and it goes back to the theory of the three Glees, where apparently the Glee I want to watch is the Ryan Murphy Glee, and and not the other Glees that the other two creators seem to want to put on the screen, so I don't know. Um Sorry, that was a rather long rant about Glee. Uh, let's <laughs> let's move to what I thought was actually a nice uh, a, a nice episode on Tuesday. I enjoyed New Girl. What did you think of this week's episode? You know, this was actually the first time I've watched New Girl. And this week I said, hey, it's Fox's breakout hit. Maybe I should watch it. Um, I mean, it doesn't really do much for me. It's still... For for I mean, you know there's there's a chuckle here and there but it still rides so hard on the Zoe Deschanel is is quirky and adorable angle you know she makes a funny voice she does a funny chicken dance she does etc cetera, etc cetera. to me the whole gang needs to be someone you know you need to have him in style a gang of people I'm interested in hanging out with and to me it's not really happening on this show yet so far it's just one really annoying person and a bunch of neurotics around her and. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a good time to me. Yeah, you know, I can see what you're saying. I, I'm having more fun with the guys, and I, I thought again this week the Zoe Deschanel ness is way down from the pilot. So if if you were bothered by her here, don't watch the pilot. Seriously, man, it's not going to lead to happiness for you. But um, but yeah, you know, I I'm still I'm enjoying Schmidt. I'm enjoying uh just the guys in general and hopefully they won't bring back waitress again because in sorry for me she's just always going to be the waitress from always sunny um because i i would like to have that that storyline tied in a bow and done but um yeah you know I, i can see why people like it and it's sort of middling for me but i'll probably keep checking it out uh if only to kind of make give myself more of a smiley end to my evening after the frustration of glee now we we decided to check out racing hope this week and i watched the episode that was on tuesday you watched the episode that was on wednesday um the episode i watched was okay but not great there was some some fun stuff and there was an incredibly creepy ponytail um by uh one of the guest characters but you know it was very flashback heavy and we got to to watch Garrett Dillahunt and Martha Plimpton have a lot of fun really showing their earlier versions of the character. How was the Wednesday night Raising Hope? 
this was actually my first time ever watching Raising Hope. Uh, I had no idea what to expect except uh, to, to be really confused by watching Garrett Dillahunt try to be funny. Um, this episode uh, took them to Vegas and also featured Amy Sedaris as uh, Martha Plimpton's sister. I don't know if she's appeared before. I assume she probably has. Um, it was amusing. It was nice to see um, a slick comedy with no laugh track, which I hadn't been, which I hadn't really seen in a while. I'm not sure exactly. Like not having watched it before, I'm not really sure if the stereotyping is always quite so broad. Uh, but it's it's pretty broad. Uh, a little too broad for me. Uh, you know, I chuckled once in a while. Um, I'm not sure if I totally buy into it as like the great great sitcom that people that some people keep seem to keep purporting that it is. Um, but uh, definitely interesting to see Dillahunt in a totally different context from the many many movie creeps I've seen him as, um, <laughs> and TV creeps as well. And TV creeps, yes. And uh, Sedaris is great as usual, although not used quite enough for my liking. Um, they they try to go for some pathos at the end. I think kind of overdid it. Ended up a little on the soppy side, especially compared to the sort to the cutting humor they're often employing elsewhere, which is a pretty transparent tactic. But you know, it's it's I can, I can see why people like it, although it didn't quite blow me away. Yeah, you know, it's one that I don't. I caught part of that episode, the probably the second half of it, and I wouldn't say it's necessarily one of their better episodes. I didn't think it was one of the worst either. It's just sort of middle of the road and. For me, what's fun about watching Raising Hope is just watching uh, Garrett Dillahunt and Martha Plumpton get to play because, you know, I'm just I'm so used to seeing them as dramatic heavies. So uh, Plumpton, I mean, honestly, nobody in the ensemble really blew me away on just watching one episode. I think I would need to see more of it to develop an attachment one way or another. Uh, and I'm not sure I care enough to watch it on a week to week basis. It's, you know, it's. It's clearly, from what I see, an improvement on My Name is Earl, which I understand is from the same showrunner, um, but not not quite there yet for me to for, to make it like appointment TV for me. There's too much. There's too many other good comedies to watch. Fair enough. Um, and for me, a excellent transition. One of those is Suburgatory. What did you think of this week's episode? Uh, I think um, we it was a pretty solid outing. Um, I would say roughly on par with the pilot. Uh, it's, you know, it's always second episodes are hard. They're produced, you know, six months to a year after the pilot, and you know, trying to keep things consistent. And I think they did a pretty good job. Um, I think Jane Levy is outstanding. I think she's doing a she's she's doing the Lord's work in terms of um, you know pilot lead pilot actresses. We're not we don't have too many standouts right now, uh, especially amongst the new shows. Um, you know, we get that sort of opening action parody sequence, which was amusing. Um, we are getting, I mean, they're willing to go like slightly weird places with the character this week, which was nice. I mean, the whole thing where she's, she finds a, a random, uh, Jew, as she says, to make out with. And it's a little, it's slightly off-putting. I was glad they were able, they were able to go there with her because so far the show has been extremely, uh, buttoned down and, and, and chased with her. Um, yeah, I thought it was fun this week. Not, again, not mind-blowing, but I think there, I think there's the potential for a really good show here. Yeah, I really liked it. I, I, for me, I, the the best descriptor I can think of, which is not a good way to sell shows, particularly to guys, is that I think it's really cute. I, I love mm -hmm. the tone, and I like how they're balancing the stories between George and Tessa. I like that we're not just spending time with with one or the other. And I think I do really like both of the leads. Uh, Jeremy Sisto, of course, is George as well, and. Um, 
you know, just certain elements of the plot just spoke really true. Just they, I felt like they, they hit a chord um, of accuracy. Within this heightened reality of the show, I think it, it still worked to, to have that little bit of truth there. So, And I liked Alan Tudyk a bit more this week because, I don't know, maybe they, they gave him a little more to do. He was more involved, mm-hmm. and, and that was fun. And I liked just the resolution. Yes, it was cliche and obvious, and you could kind of see it coming, but I still liked the resolution of the episode. So, mm-hmm. And I really liked Allie Grant this week. Mm-hmm. I thought she was great. <laughs> Their whole thing about the chips I thought was pretty pretty great. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's one that I definitely liked a lot more than Modern Family this week. Did you catch up? I know you didn't watch last week. Yeah, I've, I've fallen out of touch with Modern Family. It's I just I just can't bring myself to uh, be all that involved, as much as it's enjoyable. Yeah, and you know, this was another, I think, pretty weak episode. Uh, I was listening to Previously On last week, which is another TV podcast. We've had David Bax on the show, and we're going to have Sean Ingram on the show as well. So they're friends of the show, I guess I would say. Um, and when they were talking about it last week, they made the point that Stella the dog is is the new Lily, um, which I think is very apt and rather hilarious when you know put into context. Because I still am not liking the new Lily, um, the new actress. So having you know sort of a replacement just for hilarious reaction shots with the dog is is pretty great but you know the stuff with with cam and stella didn't work for me um i don't know it just while i always like everything they give luke to do i think he's hilarious nolan gould is is the actor and is one of the biggest strengths of the show it just has been sort of weak sauce this season so I don't know. I hope they can turn it around because they have such a fantastic cast. But I just so far it has not been particularly thrilling. I don't think. Now, one of the comedies I wish I had gotten to on Wednesday, but I just with everything else didn't get to it was the South Park premiere, and they had a very um, different sort of season finale. So, what did you think about the premiere? How it led off? Oh, did you see the mid-season finale? No, I did not. Uh, well, essentially, in the for anyone who didn't see it, in the mid-season finale, they took a huge left turn uh, with the character of Stan and sort of dealt with depression and cynicism and what to do when when life and pop culture just seem totally awful to you all the time. Um, and what was surprising was that after after you know they took a six-month break as they do every year or five months, whatever. And they came back, and they're actually resuming the story from where it picked off, more or less. And, you know, still dealing with Stan and his depression. And I thought it was a really interesting episode, and it was sort of evenly divided between this surprisingly serious storyline that has this also this undercurrent of alcoholism, which was a really, uh, really, really interesting way for, for, for them to go with it. And, um, and then, on the, of course, on the other side, there's a typical silly, grotesque uh, plotline about Asperger's. Um, which you know goes exactly the way you would imagine, but but the way the two stories clash is interesting. And then at the end of the episode, not only is nothing resolved, but things even get a little bit worse. So I'm really curious as to where they're going with this. And you know, you would think this would be the year, you know, with the Book of Mormon going on, that uh, Parker and Stone would slack off, but apparently not. So what I'm hearing from your review is that I should stop watching Modern Family and start watching South Park. Maybe the problem, the thing with South Park though, is that it's one of those shows that one week can be fantastic and the next week can be completely terrible. So I don't want you to start now and then next week if it's awful, just blame me. But I do think they're they're in an interesting groove right now, and I'm really curious as to where they're going with it. 
Interesting. Yeah, that, that'll be one for me to check out. I was really intrigued by what I was hearing about the finale. So, so yeah, I'll have to check that one out. Um, as for Wednesday shows that are, let's just go with weird or unusual. Uh, how about, let's talk American Horror Story. What, <laughs> this has got to be one of the most talked about new pilots. What did you think of, of the pilot? Um, this was an unholy mess. What the hell happened? <laughs> the fact that the fact that this was pitched, then written, then made as a pilot with this cast, and then FX optioned it to series, and then five million people watched it, that all of those things happened is insane to me. Uh, what is going on? Um, I mean, let's start with something simple. How can anyone follow anything that's happening in, in, in this 52-minute episode of television? The editing on this thing is so fast. There's, there's like an average shot length, sorry to geek out, of something like a second. You can't follow. There's already way too much going on anyway. You've got creepy kids and way over-the-top bullying and S&M and dead gay people and so much go and and then oh sorry and creepy neighbors and more creepy neighbors and and uh stuff happening in the past and haunted houses and way too much stuff and none of it makes any sense and all of it is over the top i don't know it was just sensory overload all the time and none of it was fun i don't know what did you think well for me the biggest thing with american horror story is that it does have a point of view and while I, I I wasn't as strongly opposed to the premiere as it sounds like you were um, I felt like it like the editing didn't bother me I didn't have problem following what was going on though I could see how one would um, and I have no history of, of horror film like I'm a scaredy cat so I don't watch that stuff so the, so a lot of the scares were really effective, but it's not hard to scare me. So like I can't watch X-Files before I go to bed, that kind of thing. So I'm easy. So I don't, and I've been hearing from a lot of horror aficionados that it's actually rather derivative, whereas I haven't seen this stuff before. So it was more effective to me. Um, it is a hot mess, I must say, but I felt like it, it was a, the sort of thing that could actually be either terrible or brilliant like you know sort of like when you watch the early episodes of true blood you aren't sure if this is a terrible show or it's actually bizarrely fabulous um and true blood has in my opinion proved itself to be a lot of fun but this one from what i'm hearing just the the first episode is just so weird um and it just gets goes strongly to the terrible route in the next few weeks um yeah it's I think that the actors are doing interesting things. I mean, I, I don't think... It feels like many of them are not on the same show. <laughs> but I yeah. think... I mean, I think Jessica Lang is having a lot of fun, and she's just destroying the scenery. She's doing it so hardcore. But um, I think that she's having a lot of fun. And then Connie Britton is doing such a completely different thing that um, she's just going for this subtlety and realism against all of these crazy things that are happening. So yeah, I, I wouldn't, while I absolutely see where you're coming from, I, I and I probably will not keep watch the show because I, you know, just, it doesn't interest me. I could see why people might like it, though uh, I don't know that it necessarily 
deserves the five million audience is pretty ridiculous. So we'll see if that holds up next week. But yeah. I don't see how. I don't see how five million people can watch that and say that made sense and was good. Two and a Half Men and NCIS are the best, highest rated shows. Yeah, well, well, you know, the one time I watched Two and a Half Men this year, I actually chuckled a couple of times. <laughs> this I chuckled at for the wrong reasons. Um, yeah, you're right. Jessica Lange is having a good time chewing up scenery, and I think so is Frances Conroy, mm-hmm. uh, who's in there for a few minutes. But uh, this just was a total. It it just felt insulting and awful on every level. Yeah, though. The house looks really cool. Uh, I was actually going to say it, uh, some of the music is cool. That's about. I'll, I'll give it that. There's, um, I believe, there's a cue from Vertigo that pops up in the episode. The music is effective, and you know some of the things that it does, it does well. Um, it's just, it's like we are saying, it's just kind of all over the place. So depends on on what one's tolerance for Ryan Murphy craziness is. Yeah. Oh, and that pregnancy thing at the end was such a Ryan Murphy move. Like, come on. Really? We need that in the first episode? Really? Well, because she's uh-huh. going to have the, the ghost, you know, random gimp baby who's going to, I would assume that's what that means. But yeah, we'll see. Uh... Well, actually, we won't see because we're not going to keep watching this show. So if somebody <laughs> likes it and wants to, you know, write a review for the website, they should let us know or, you know, write in and tell us how the season is progressing. But yeah, not gonna, not gonna keep up with that one. And actually, on on Wednesday night, I was planning to watch that that episode and then go to bed because uh, you know it was on pretty late. And then I finished watching it and said no, no, I'm not not going to bed after watching that. So I watched some Top Chef just desserts and watched them play with chocolate for an hour, which was a lot of fun. The person who was eliminated, I believe they call them chef testants, um, was Catsy, and she's has had a lot of interesting ideas over the season, but she's she's young. She's only 24. So I while I think it was time for her to go, I would be interested in seeing her come back for like a, a best of sort of season in a few years when she has a little more experience under her belt. But yeah, it was nice to see them just after last week's Beastie Boy savory dessert challenge to see them just get to play with chocolate. And, and also it was nice after American Horror Story to just watch a nice bit of frivolity with, yeah, you know, making my mouth water with all the delicious-looking chocolate uh, desserts. So that was kind of fun. But let's move on to Thursday. Now, you don't watch Big Bang Theory, but uh, I've got to mention it this week because I, as you may not know, am a big aficionado of Dungeons & Dragons. I was a founding member of uh, a D&D club at my university when I went to school, and I think it's a lot of fun. And anybody who wants to give me a hard time or call me a geek can go ahead because D&D is awesome and people should try it more. So I both liked and disliked the, the plot line they gave to Sheldon this week, which is what that he decided to free up his mind from, his, from the mundane decisions of day to day. He was just going to roll a polyhedral die to, to make all his decisions for him and leave it up to the dice, which left him with a terrible mustache. And um, I believe his dinner that day was a side of corn succotash because that's what the die rolled for the menu. So, I, you know, that, I thought that was a lot of fun. And I liked that they gave Raj a deaf gold digger girlfriend for, for an episode. I thought that worked. I like when they do things like this on the show, but it also frustrates me because they get a lot of it right in, in sort of like they open the, the episode with them playing 
D&D. But then in the, the next scene, you have uh, Howard referencing the dice that Sheldon is using as Dungeons and Dragons dice, which is not what they are and not what anybody who has ever played Dungeons and Dragons would call them. He would call them <laughs> a D20 or a polyhedral dice. It's, they want to have their cake and eat it too with the geek references. And it, it that bothers me when they do that. You know, either commit to this is a show about geeks doing things and acting the way the geeks do, or this is a show making fun of the way that geeks act. So I don't know. I think feel like they should have a little more consistency, but I still, I, I think I over identify with Sheldon sometimes. It's probably a little spooky, but uh, I, I, I just enjoyed him pulling out the dice every time a, ch- a choice came up. So that was, that was fun. Um, moving on now that I've had my first geek out, my Dungeons and Dragons related geek out. I'm curious what you think about community. Cause this has been a, a divisive episode uh, in the the community community. But I, as a noir fan, I actually had a lot of fun with it. What what did you think of this week's episode? I was I was not a fan this week. I mean, we're we're divided between the A plot with the group and the B plot with Chang as a detective. And I, I think we'll agree on one thing, which is that actually, the Chang storyline had a couple of chuckles in it, a couple of mystery lines here and there that I thought, okay, that's that's amusing. But the A-plot, I thought, was kind of a disaster and not at all funny. Um, I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy watching the, the group squabble amongst each other for an, for an episode. Uh, I didn't think the them eviscerating Todd was all, was all that funny. Um, yeah, I just it, it was one of the first times that the, the group as a whole has felt completely charmless to me. Interesting, because I actually I, I, I got a lot of fun out of the... Um the Todd plotline and most places that I'm seeing, I, maybe this is just the, you know, the web, uh, the message boards that I'm going to, but most places I'm seeing were okay with the, the group plotline or maybe didn't like how mean they were, but still had more fun with that and really disliked the Chang stuff. So, um, I think that's interesting. Now, what did you think of, um, uh, of Michael K. Williams here? He still feels to me like he's doing a pretty transparent shtick of I played a hard ass on another show that a whole bunch of TV geeks watched. Here, watch me not be a hard ass or try not to be a hard ass. It's a very one note thing to me. It's I didn't find I'm not finding it particularly amusing after after the initial you know after the initial effect of just seeing him on the show wears off. It's not doing much for me. It's sort of just the same note over and over. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I just. I don't know. I still, I still enjoyed it. Maybe I just went into coming off of you know watching Big Bang Theory, which I enjoyed. Maybe I just was more positive, um, was willing to give it more. I did. I must say, I loved his Lego thing that he, rant that he went on, sort of, because it's exactly how I feel about Legos. Even though I didn't, of course, just get out of jail for twelve years. Um, but where did the regular Legos go? Seriously. Um, so I. <laughs> I, I just, I think in general, this is an, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering that the way they're going with the show, I may, I may just be gradually turning into a non-fan, and I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen because I, I, you know, I'm, I just get this, this sensation lately that I feel like Community is, is weirdly like the precursor to some future better show from Dan Hartman, which I, I know is going to be sacrilege to uh, people who are Community nerds who are listening now, but that's just how, how the show's been leaving me lately. Interesting. I, I I often feel like it's very much a successor to Spaced, which we will be talking about um, in about a month or so on our DVD shelf. So I always find that interesting. I would and I would love to see a similar 
sort of show in the future from Dan Harmon, but maybe with some lessons learned from community. Um, so actually, that sounds like a lot of fun to me. But there you go. Yeah. After community, we had Parks and Rec, and uh, it was all Amy Poehler, all uh, Leslie Nope, all the time uh, for the most part this week. What did you think of this episode? You know, it's funny. I didn't know until after, well after I saw the episode that the book that she's pimping in the episode is real. Oh, I didn't know that. So in a, in a, in a strange way, the episode is sort of like a, a full-length advertisement for their book, which you know may have bothered me if I knew that, but either way, I thought it was a really strong episode. Um, we got some really good action from Chris Pratt this week, who hasn't had too much to do this season. Uh, I love the scenes between uh, Aubrey Plaza and Nick Offerman. Their sort of relationship is hilarious to me. Uh, I, and actually, his trick about about um, changing someone's name in the middle of a conversation, I think I might actually start doing that. Yeah, especially at work, I need to start employing that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, w- whenever they bring in uh, Joan Calamezzo, that's usually good for a few laughs, too. I mean, to me, this was just this was sort of a small buffet of things I find funny in Parks and Rec. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was actually stronger than last week, which was a little bit more hyped. I really enjoy the recurring gag of how much everybody hates Eagleton and just like Leslie's utter sickness at realizing she was born there was I think pretty hilarious. And then uh, you know the stuff with Tom and Joan was was fun. And anytime Bert Macklin shows up, it makes me happy. Uh, but probably what I liked the best was Anne's determination to to engage Ron and April in small talk. And it just like the progression in the episode from it being her being friendly and optimistic to, to her saying, they are going to talk to me. It's going to, you know, I thought that was fantastic. And it was a good use of, of Anne, I thought too. So yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah. One. And, and this week we finally uh, got the answer to our mystery about Rob Lowe's hair. Yeah, he's doing a Lifetime movie, as I understand. And so they had to do something to cover up his Lifetime hair. Yeah, he, they're covering up his awful Lifetime hair. Uh, so I, I wish they could have found another way around that. But, I mean, I'm, I, I can live with it. I can live with it. I'm hoping it becomes like a, a punchline. Like, you know how on shows like Battlestar Galactica, whenever somebody grows a beard or something and then shaves it off, it's a big deal. So maybe when he cuts those bangs off, it'll be a character moment or something. Um, now, I also caught the second episode of How to Be a Gentleman, and we were far more positive to this pilot than pretty much anywhere else I saw and I've, I, I have some thoughts as to why that was, but what did you think of this week's episode? Oh, it was poor. It was, I think this was the episode, if this had been the pilot, I think I would have been as negative as everyone else. Uh, it's quite bad. I don't think I laughed once, which I mean, that should be it. That should be the death knell for any sitcom. But in particular, the, the surprising um, uh, amount that I found myself amused last week was not present uh, this week. Maybe it's because we got almost no Dave Foley. Um, and it was just, you know, just a, just a smorgasbord of cliches and old gags and, you know, punchlines you can see a mile away and bad lap track and, you know, a total lack of charming characters and, you know, people being wasted especially, uh, as you mentioned, Marilyn Rayskib, uh, and, uh, and I think Reese Darby as well. Yeah, just just a, a poor showing all around. Yeah, I have a feeling that when CBS sent out the pilot, they sent out a disc that had like three or four episodes on it. And so when people were reviewing, writing the reviews for the pilot, they had also seen this episode because this is terrible. And 
I, I want to mention that Dave Foley is in about two scenes, and both of those scenes are funny, and both of those scenes work, and nothing else really in this episode does. So, yeah, I, How to Be a Gentleman has been moved by CBS to Saturday Nights, where I think they're pairing it with Rules of Engagement, the only two, uh, the only two non-reality shows that are on, uh, on Saturday nights of any of the networks. So it is not long for this TV world, and based on this episode deservedly so so hopefully it just goes away quickly so that these talented actors can get to do something worthy of them it will not be mourned yeah now thursday is just was an interesting night for me because i went from that to what i thought was the continues to be the probably the best comedy going right now always sunny what did you think of this week's episode of always sunny I thought it was, it was a solid episode, not necessarily as strong as the last couple of weeks, but I think um, in any given season of It's Always Sunny, there's a, there's some episodes where they're not exactly coasting, but they're just sort of dealing with like a baseline level of quality, and I think for me that was this week. Um, I mean, the episode was about uh, Sweet D getting uh, p- potentially audited, um, which I'm wondering if that's a plot line they're going to pursue past this episode. Occasionally, it seems like they're going to lean towards serialization and then they ditch it. And then other times you find yourself immediately following with uh, with the next episode. So I'll be curious to see where they're headed with that. I did like the baby funeral. <laughs> uh, it seems like every it seems like every episode this this season has had some sort of uh, envelope pushing moment, and uh, this was that this week, um, and that that was enjoyable. Um, beyond that, it was an amusing, uh, but not not spectacular episode. I think. Yeah, for me, once again, this was the only show that made me laugh out loud. And uh, and so while I, I love watching Parks and Rec and these other shows, they might get, they'll get a smile or maybe a chuckle, but usually it's just I'm just having fun watching them. And Always Sunny, this season at least, every episode I've laughed out loud at least once. And so I really enjoyed this episode. I, maybe not as good as last week's, but I still just had so much fun with it. The, the pickle party and reason will prevail and just i i just really enjoyed a lot of the 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 humor that they were uh, able to derive from it i mean i normally i feel like they don't give sweetie the best plot lines she doesn't get as interesting of things to do i think a lot of the time but i i did enjoy her plot line here and her uh her scoot just slowly backing the scooter up the hall (laughs) while she's claiming she has to go get her her son from the car uh, just, it really worked for me, and, um, I don't know, I'm, just the dynamic, and just how incredibly disgusting Danny DeVito looks, I mean, it takes a not vain actor to have that hair, uh, for what I am assuming is the entire season, and of course I'm still enjoying Fat Mac, and I'm enjoying that they're not commenting on it most of the time, it's just part of the reality of the show, so, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying Always Sunny. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the chili powder thing was <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was great. I'm bleeding! <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Always Sunny was followed, uh, of course, uh, last week Archer wrapped up its mini-arc, and so this week we got the premiere of The League. This is the one that has Seth Rogen as, as I understand it, a oft-mentioned but never-seen character. Uh, what did you think of the the premiere as a whole, and then his role in particular? Well, it's interesting. The League is a show that I watch and no one else I know does, even though it's on its third season, and it's generally quite funny. Uh, I would say just under It's Always Sunny in usual uh, 
uh, humor levels, if that is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the only show that I know of uh, in terms of comedies that's semi-improvised, which is interesting. Um, and this week there was a lot of stuff that was clearly uh, filmed and, and planned ahead of time, so that they seem to be dialing down the improvisation a little bit. Uh, but it was still quite funny. Um, if you're new to the show, you need to spend an episode or two sort of uh, sort of figuring out the references because it is a show about uh, these friends who have a fantasy football league, and you know you need to figure out what a Shiva Bowl is and all this other stuff. And but you know it's it's fairly easy to figure out. Uh, this week we had Seth Rogen as the mythical uh, Dirty Randy, I believe his name is, who is a uh, porn producer who is also a librarian. <laughs> And uh, he, I mean, he was fine. He wasn't close to the to the most amusing thing in the episode, but he was unobtrusive and blended in fairly well with the ensemble, who are a very tight knit group. Um, generally speaking, I thought it was a really funny episode and a, and a, a strong episode back. So the second season for them was had a couple of not so great episodes, but generally was uh, was a real step up for them. I'm hoping that uh, this is going to be a bit of a breakthrough year for them as well. Interesting. Yes, I'm one of those people you know who does not watch the league, so um, maybe it's one that I should add to the list. Now, would, would you say I should watch Archer or the league first? Um, no, I think honestly you could start with with this episode this week. I think that'll that'll familiar. all you really need to know is every season they have every season they have a season of the league, and so by the end of the season there's a new winner mm-hmm. and a new loser, and you, you'll figure out quickly who the winner was last season and who the loser was, and uh, that, that, sh- that should be enough to get you uh, acclimatized. Okay. Um, now, we finished up Thursday with, we wanted to catch up with Prime Suspect, because uh, it was one of the pilots that we were a little mixed on, but generally more positive than, than other places, and uh, so we checked back in with it this week after skipping the second episode. What did you think of Prime Suspect? I thought Prime Suspect was really strong this week. Um, I thought it was funny and uh, you know, dramatically engaging, and all the performances were strong. Uh, we, um, and what was also interesting is that it stuck to a really simple case, like a simpler case than we've seen so far, where really you're, you've got two suspects, you know, the boyfriend and the husband, and you're just weighing them, and you're you're spending a lot of time. Uh, someone complained that um, for, uh, my friend Michael Ryan, who's a huge procedural addict, complained that so far we haven't had enough interrogation time uh, with the uh, with the Timony character and her suspects. And we got a lot of that this week, and it was uh, he was right. It, it dramatically improved the show, and I think um, it was the most humanizing episode of the show so far as well and i really liked that the cold open with the uh, with the bar robbery as well that was really well staged yeah i really liked this episode and i i was glad to see that any of our frustrations with the sexism were gone this week i thought and it was a very well well made well acted i thought well written because of the simplicity i appreciated the simplicity of the case because most cases aren't a vast conspiracy so uh, I, I appreciated that aspect of, of the episode, and I would assume of the show, I, I would be surprised if they started getting into these ridiculously convoluted, um, we're going to give you three potential people, and then in the last 15 minutes we're going to twist it around and it's actually the bartender or something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the performances are incredibly strong, and I really like what the dynamic is, particularly with um, Kirk Acevedo and and uh maria bello of course i i enjoyed him so much on fringe so it's it's 
both unfortunate that he can't be on Fringe right now, but also I'm enjoying seeing him get to do something different here. And I also like the moments we get with Aiden Quinn, because he's an actor I've enjoyed on TV for quite a while. Um, fans of his should check out his short-lived uh, drama, The Book of Daniel, that, that where he played a priest who got to talk to God, um, which was, I thought, a very good show that got canceled too soon. So it's nice to see a procedural, a standalone episode of the week kind of show done very well. And I wish more people would give the show a chance. I'm, I'm hoping it survives. I mean, I, I don't know what it's, what its chances are. They're not uh, good. I, very low ratings. Good. Yeah. That's, that's really unfortunate. I think it's absolutely one of the, I mean, it's the best drama NBC has going on right now. I mean, they've got some good comedies, but their drama is a bit of a wasteland as far as I know. Yeah. And with, I mean, Unforgettable is the highest rated new drama, and I just don't understand that having seen both shows. Anybody who's a fan of procedurals should be watching Prime Suspect. If you like cop shows, you're going to like this show. It's good characters, it's good writing, it's good direction. People should check it out. Yeah, totally. Um, Well, let's move on to Friday. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, I have reviews up on the website for the first three episodes of Supernatural and Fringe, um, which both, of course, came back for their third episode this week. And, um, yeah, Supernatural was a bit of a mixed bag. They they did a flashback episode, and I, I, I usually enjoy those. They had... It featured um, Colin Ford, as, who came back as young Sam. He's played... Sam in flashbacks uh, a couple times on the show and he's always very good and he was excellent this week as well um, he's really good at at mimicking Jared Padalecki who plays you know of course regular Sam and there's he does a really good job of of using the same acting technique and the same like facial motions to you know he's he does a really good job of making it feel like the same character and the other highlights, besides the fact that we had a Doctor Who shout-out this week, which made my little geek heart go pitter-pat, um, there was Jewel State was on the show as the, um, the guest monster of the week, and I thought she was perfect casting. It was a, a sympathetic character um, who was also... The, the whole point of the episode was that, there, that Sam was torn between um, killing a monster who was sympathetic and who he had known when he was younger. And so when you put Jewel State in a role like this, you instantly get uh, likable and somebody that you want to help and protect and who she just has an innate trustworthiness to her performance that is necessary for this role. And I thought it worked very well. And of course, you might not be familiar with Jewel State. I just remembered because you haven't seen Firefly, but she's Kaylee on Firefly. And she was on Stargate Atlantis for a while as well. So she's a big genre fan favorite. So it was nice to see her pop up here. And then we also had on Friday, of course, Fringe. And last week we both really liked the episode, which was on in the other universe for the most part. What did you think of this episode, which was back in our universe? Uh, you know, it's funny. with If you got rid of a few touches here and there, this could have easily been a mid-season one episode. Uh, you know, it was very much a monster, monster slash freak of the week type deal with very few of the sort of serialized elements popping up except for at the very end. And, you know, I, I mean, obviously the whole issue of of uh, Walter being insane is, 
is is a plot point just as it was near the beginning of the first season. Now it's for a different reason, which is sort of interesting. But in general, I thought this was not as good an episode as last week or really even the week before. Uh, the case of the week was not particularly interesting to me. You know, the sort of spore infestation that's actually uh, – I found that they had to keep re-explaining what was going on because there was so little visual information um, so they had to just sort of keep redefining, which sort of had to go with it, which was not terribly engaging. Um, you know, the you know, kids in peril is not exactly my favorite uh, genre TV plotline because you know they're going to make it out uh, every time. Yeah, although they do had they did have the balls to kill a couple of kids at the top of the hour, which was nice. Um, I'd like to go on record as a fan of dead children. Um, but um, in general, I, I would have liked. I know. I know we 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 enjoy the leisurely pacing, but I would. Have, I, I felt like I could have missed this week, and not really missed anything. You know what I mean? I, I felt like if I if I had been if I had the flu this week and caught up with the, the next week, I would have felt like I had missed a beat. I could, you know, I see where you're coming from. I actually like this episode. It sounds a lot more than you did. Um, and while I agree that the case of the week wasn't the most amazing thing ever. Uh, I still, I, I liked the character moments that we got with each of the characters, um, except maybe Broyles doesn't really get much to do, but, uh, but there's a nice moment for, for Lincoln and particularly for uh, Astrid, Walter and Olivia. And I really thought that that elevated, I, th I think these actors are elevating the, the show. I think the writing is solid, but really what John Noble and Anna Tor bring to that last scene um, I think is fantastic and while maybe you don't need this episode for the plot I think it's important for getting we get a few answers about the, how the universe has reshaped itself um, and and then also I think it's just important because we get to see this um, you know what where Walter's at right now and where Olivia's at and I don't know I guess I'm just a sucker for uh, for John Noble and Anna Torv. Fair enough. Uh, I, I I did think some of the early scenes of John Noble sort of freaking out at the voices were a little over the top even by fringe standards. Fair enough. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the last scene is nice, but I, I'm I'm anxious for them to get back uh, into the swing of things in terms of. Uh, big freaky fringe events which mm. this did this didn't have we we didn't we also didn't have any of the fun alternate universe stuff which i know we shouldn't get every week but i did miss it uh, and also before we finish with uh fringe gus breaking bad shout out or not i'm gonna say no okay uh, it was it was a nice it was, it's a nice thought but i just <laughs> I, I don't think so yeah you're right it's probably not Okay, that brings us to Saturday, but um, we didn't check out Bedlam. I mean, at least I didn't. Did you check out Bedlam? No, uh, and I, I didn't hear particularly great things about it, so uh, I left it alone. Plus, you know, I think we've got enough on our plate right now. I would I would agree. Um, but And so that will just take us right into Sunday. Uh, I watched The Amazing Race, and I had two main takeaways from this episode. They they had to go to a Buddhist temple and a lot of the teams were confused by the parameters of the challenge. So that was sort of interesting to watch them puzzle it out. But my main takeaways were, first of all, I really like the snowboarders. I think they're my new like favorite team. So I'm, I'm enjoying watching them. I was struck by how hardcore they, they push the music on this show, particularly at the end when it's time to eliminate somebody. The showgirls, the former show, showgirls got eliminated and they, it was just the most intensely sappy music ever at the end. It was pretty, it was actually pretty funny, but um, 
But yeah, it was another fun episode. I always like watching The Amazing Race. But next we have The Good Wife. What did you think of this week's episode? I thought it was uh, decent. We, you know, we, we got, as per usual, lately, we got sort of an A-plot with... Uh, we actually got an A, B, and a C-plot this week, I think. Um, uh, we got Dallas Roberts back as uh, as uh, Juliana Margulies' brother. And I, I, I like him a lot. I was very happy to, to see him on the show again. Um, what didn't work for me so much was the Eli plot, which featured maybe it was just derailed for me by all of the over-the-top footage of kids vomiting from cheese. It, it was just like there was there was a really weird sense of humor to this episode that was uh, not exactly in keeping with with how, for lack of a better word, classy the show usually is. Uh, I just felt a lot of elements in the episode uh, clashing. I did like the way. Uh, they brought in Clay Davis as uh, as arbitrator, and I, I really mm-hmm. like that character. I hope we see him again. Uh, and and I think the whole arbitration process was a good way to show how um, the show, even though it's technically a legal procedural, um, in many ways, does find ways to mix up the procedure aspect. So that that was interesting. Uh, but otherwise, I thought it was sort of average or slightly below average episode. Um, yeah, I like this episode. The the cheese worked for me. I thought it was funny. Um, just, <laughs> okay, just, well, that's what they were going for. Yeah, well, just because the, the vomit was the exact color of the cheese, which I thought was hilarious. Um, so I And then I felt bad for laughing at a Listeria outbreak case after, what, 20 people have died from infected cantaloupe. So, yeah, there was that. That was fun. Um, but... The things that I liked about this episode, I always liked Dallas Roberts. Like uh, as you mentioned, he's a lot of fun to see on the show, and he's a good foil for Alicia. Um, gives him, you know, fills a, a different role than even Kalinda did back when they were close, and so I like having him on. Um, I liked Lisa Edelstein uh, in this episode, and it's nice to see her land well after um, getting written out so unceremoniously from House. Yeah. So, so I thought I think she's. I, I like her on the show, and I, I'm hoping... I think she's supposed to be around for a while, so that should be fun to, to watch. Um, I also liked, in the Eli episode, I liked seeing a different dynamic to him being at the firm than normal. I liked watching him butt heads with Diane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing was more neat. To do. Yeah. And then the biggest thing about this episode for me was that... Oh, and of course, I, I'm interested to see where they go with uh, Kalinda and, and Carrie. So, see, that see that does not interest me in the slightest. Oh, see, I don't, I don't care I, about the relationship, but I like that they're not just keeping it the same. Yeah, I just, I, I wish that they would give Kalinda more time to do things that don't involve stilted romance. I don't know, like, they, they seem to be slightly at a crossroads with that character after, you know, sticking her with Scott Porter for all of last year, which for me didn't really work. Um, I'm, I'm hoping they find something really compelling for her to do. Yeah. Um, but yes, the, the thing that was for me, the most interesting element of the show was the, the last scene. And I thought it was incredibly ballsy because I can't think of another network show like this that, yeah, that would have the balls to say that their main like audience draw relationship is not love. And, mm-hmm. and and I really like that honesty and I mean maybe that will develop and change as the season goes but I think it's accurate for now and I really like that they just came out and said that so although the, there is also a tinge of like well maybe it could be or maybe it will be in soon which I mean 
they they hinted like yeah well that's going to change and that's going to make everything as they say complicated mm-hmm. um so I, I i do think they are eventually going to go in that direction because you know they love it's it's a drama and they love additional drama mm-hmm. um but I, I i think you can count on this show to do things a little bit differently yeah after that, we got to see um, at long last the second episode of Homeland on Showtime. Yes, I don't know if I should commit to this, but I think we're gonna have to get somebody to cover this show on the website because I'm really liking it. What did you think of the second episode? Yeah, I, I thought the second episode was great, uh, on par with the pilot. Uh, it um, it really seems like you know, as I mentioned before, you know, there's there's a huge gap between when pilots are made and when uh, second episodes are made. But I thought they, it felt like it didn't miss a beat from the pilot. Um, Damien Lewis is still fantastic. Uh, lots of great little scenes. You know, you know what? I do have one unusual problem though. I hate the intro. Yeah. I wasn't really a big fan of that one either. The intro is awful. It looks like somebody slapped together something in, in like, I don't know, name baseline level video editor that I, I don't know this stuff. You know, they had an hour and a whole lot of archival audio clips and stuff from the pilot. It looked, it, it was amateur hour and it was way too long. I don't know what they were doing. Uh, anyway, that was awful. But the rest of the episode was great. Um, I'm really liking the way they expand the they expanded the the realm of what it is that Claire Danes does exactly this week. Mm-hmm. The stuff with her sort of with her agent was fantastic. I'm really curious to see where that goes. And there's just a lot of interesting ambiguity going around. I think if it had been any other show when you have that sequence where the sergeant goes and does a, a, you know his Arabic morning prayer, I think there would have been like, I'm imagining 24 doing this scene and, and then just, and then just imagining like, like really doomy music behind it. Like, Oh no, he's gone Muslim. But instead it's like, well, no, maybe it's just something that he picked up and then he does that's comforting. But of course, Claire Danes sees it as, as a, or sorry, I mean, she doesn't see it happen, but she's going to see it as a, as a warning sign when, when, you know, when she eventually comes upon it. So you, you can see the multiple ways these, uh, these actions can be interpreted. And yeah, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on. Yeah. What I really liked about it is that with this episode, a show that I would have less faith in, I, I would be certain that he was turned and it, they would they, this would be an answer but in what we saw there it, i just feel like there are continually more questions rather than answers and i really am enjoying that i like that it doesn't seem simple because some some situation like this would not be simple so there are a couple groaner lines um in the of dialogue yes. Um, considering he has the same illness as you, explanation, expository, this is how she gets her meds. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and also the, the agent saying something, I'm just a girl from so-and-so Ohio. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I'll give it to him because it's the second episode and... And hopefully that will not happen more in the future. But I really liked it, so I'm really interested to see where it's going. And the performances are all great, so yeah, I'm I'm in with this show. So. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I I also this was the first week that I noticed that Henry Brommel is one of the producers on the show. He was the second showrunner for Rubicon. So I'm starting to see this show as maybe like Rubicon done right. On Monday we had How I Met Your Mother. Um, this is the only show that I think can make me like puns. What did you think of this week's episode? Yeah, I I, I thought it was a little 
substandard this week. Um, you know, this week we get, you know, the follow-up on Cal Penn and Kobe Smulders and their uh, burgeoning relationship, which was cute, but not particularly funny, I don't think. Um, and the whole, I don't know, maybe I just have a thing about Ewok slash Star Wars humor. I don't really, it doesn't really do much for me. Maybe I'm just not enough of a geek. Mind you, uh, I, I did watch this while in a public library, and I had to stifle myself from making a really obnoxiously loud noise at the Friday Night Lights Season 2 jab. <laughs> yeah, that's, other than Always Sunny, that's the other thing to make me laugh out loud all week. I thought it was hilarious and perfectly delivered as well by Jason Siegel. Makes me wonder if uh, Him Yim is trying to get into some of that community money. Oh, yeah. By going all meta on all those huge ratings. <laughs> It's got to be the way to go. I don't know. Did you did you think this was up to par? I thought it was just. I thought it was kind of meh. I mean, it wasn't as good maybe as the better, um, the better scenes and episodes we got last week or actually a couple weeks back with Victoria. But you know, like I said earlier, this is the only show that can make me enjoy puns. So the fact that I chuckled at floundering, um, says that. <laughs> well, yeah, Jason Siegel is a is an excellent de- deliverer of puns, which is what's going to make him an an ideal person to do a Muppets movie, I think. Yeah, so I mean, it's just I'm charmed by the show. I I enjoy spending time with these characters. Let's move on to Enlightened, which had which premiered. It had its pilot on Monday on HBO. What did you think of of this one? Yeah, this is a new series uh, co-created by Laura Dern and Mike White and starring Laura Dern as, I guess, an ad executive. I didn't quite understand what her job was, but I, I, I or maybe she's a sales exec at some sort of amorphous large company. Anyway, that was the one aspect I couldn't quite figure out, uh, who has a very public, very vulgar uh, nervous breakdown and then goes to Hawaii to sort of to anger manage and uh, comes back supposedly new i thought this was really interesting uh and uh, after that i think quite spectacular opening i was a little worried that it was going to devolve into sort of an infomercial for self-help which thankfully i think it avoided and i think they had a lot of fun with contrasting extreme darkness with extreme lightness um and i'm gonna be curious to see where it goes from here in terms of playing with those dynamics and, and also using her and uh, luke wilson who's also uh I always get the Wilsons confused. It is Luke Wilson in this one, right? Yes, it is. Okay. I can never remember which one's which. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought it was, I mean, it, was, it wasn't It wasn't perfect, but I did think there was a lot of promise. I thought it was very cinematic in its look and feel, and so I'll be interested to see if they keep that over the course of the series. It felt very much like watching a short film to me, and that will come from, you know, it being directed by Mike White. I... Um, I, I like this show. I thought it was good. I thought it was funny. I <laughs> just I thought the beginning was made by her prying open the elevator. Like I wasn't <laughs> on board until that happened, and then I was <laughs> at the beginning at least. And um, yeah, well, I think it's a good show, and I think she does a good job, Laura Dern. That is uh, in her role. It's not one that I'm really that interested in watching week to week. I don't think it's sort of you know I sort of had a that was good kind of reaction to it, but I don't know that I care to check in uh, every week. I yeah, I don't know that I'm that interested in the premise. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I don't know 
whether or not I'm going to make time for it. Because as we mentioned earlier, we do have so many shows that we cover. But mm-hmm. Also adding to the cinematic feel, we had music by Carter Burwell. Which I really liked. Yeah. Yeah, which was quite nice. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, I think I'll, I'll probably check in a couple more times, uh, see how, see how it evolves. Cause I feel like it really, it could be spectacular or it could be hung. Like mm-hmm. it's really, it's really difficult to tell with half hour sort of dramedies, um, where, where they end up. It really all depends on the writing. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely curious to, to see where it's headed. Yeah. So that's one that we'll probably check in with next week then on the, on the cast. We're going to take a break now. That wraps up our week in TV, and we'll listen to some music and come back with Rick from the Sound Outside podcast and and talk some Breaking Bad and really break down the finale. So we'll be right back. was Black by Danger Mouse, Danielle Lupi, and Nora Jones, which was featured in Sunday's episode of Breaking Bad, Face Off, which was the season four finale. And this week, rather than doing our standard episode spotlight and then DVD shelf, we decided that instead we should have somebody on and really do a, a, in a more detailed look at the season four finale for Breaking Bad, as well as the season as a whole. So we brought in Rick D from Sound On Sight. Uh, welcome to the show, Rick. Thank you for having me. I've been thinking about the uh, last night's episode all night long. Yeah, I well, I'm interested in what you thought of it because I know that you did not like last week's episode. I believe worst episode ever was your comment. Um, well, actually, now I think it's one of the best ep- episodes ever written for television. Nice. Um, now, I was talking to Simon about this very briefly. We talked for maybe like five minutes, I think, Simon. But last yes, week's... we did. Yeah, last week's episode, and I was not alone because a lot of our friends agreed. We were unhappy with last week's episode. We thought the character mo- motivations made no, made no sense. Uh, even the character reactions, uh, we didn't understand the, the the need to add in an, an additional subplot by poisoning the kid. We were like, it didn't make any sense. How did Gus know that he had the cigarette on him? If Gus knew he, he had the cigarette, then Gus would know absolutely everything. So, like, it didn't make any sense. And so Simon and I were talking about it, and we're like, you know what? We wish that this was just one of those dream episodes, because that, that's how much we disliked it. Like, there was a lot of good moments. Like, I think we would all agree the uh, the showdown between Jesse and Walt was brilliant, right? But it didn't make any sense. And then you come to last night's episode, and it's like, I don't understand how within one episode, they took everything that was wrong with the previous episode, not only made it make sense, 
But therefore, that last episode is now one of the best episodes ever made for television because it's like the ultimate red herring. So it's funny because, like, looking back at season four, I think season four is actually my favorite season of the television show. And I think episode 12 is actually the best episode within the entire uh, season. And I think the reason why it's the best season is because the stakes have never been higher. Everybody's life has been on the line, but they've been in more danger than ever before. Walt, Walt's family, Jesse, even Gus. And I think that's why season four is the best. I'm just going to cut in here with a called it, because um, unlike yourself, Rick, and many of the, the internets, as it were, uh, I loved last week's episode, and I actually really liked it last week. So um, I, it was nice to to see sort of a shift in some of the the fans' opinions of the episode to, to more reflect where I was at with it last week, because I felt kind of like I was just kind of wrong because everybody else didn't like it so strongly so did you think that they would resolve any of the uh, problems that we had with the episode or did you just like it despite the problems that we thought it had um i thought i could see where you guys are coming from with your problems with it but they i figured that it yeah it would they weren't just going to have that be the only explanation that scene with jesse and walt be the only explanation for brock i thought they were going to give us more information about it and it it didn't bother me as much in the first place because I liked what came from that scene. So, you know, I was sort of both in a way. But uh, what what I think is interesting about this finale is that um, I'm sort of in the same place with it as with last week's in that I feel like I have a completely different opinion on this than the rest of the Internet. I, I thought it was OK. I don't think they know how to make a bad episode of Breaking Bad. Um, but... It just is. It was very anticlimactic to me, and yep. I keep hearing people, you know, saying that their minds were blown by the ending. But I, I don't know. I just I saw that coming a mile away. It seemed really obvious to me as soon as we found out that it, that it wasn't ricin poisoning. Um, so I'm sort of on the other side of the fence with this week. Simon, what did you think of the episode? Of course, your your review is up on the website, but. It is, um, and as I mentioned in the review, I do have to eat some crow this week. Uh, I, I do think the resolution to the Brock mystery was quite satisfying for the most part. I, I still think having Jesse immediately leap to the assumption that it was Walt didn't make any sense. I mean, it, what it really did was it served to erase Walt in our minds as a suspect. Um, that being said, I, I do think the resolution was, was satisfying. What was interesting about this finale is, uh, and I think this is where your lack of satisfaction is coming from, Kate, I feel like the other finales and also the, the series as a whole is often built on these sort of shock moments, uh, which are, you know, great. What was different about uh, this finale is that it was mostly just about big dramatic moments that you felt coming and that it, I think it did uh, reasonable justice to for the most part. The second that you see Gus and he says, I'm going to take care of this myself in reference to Tio or Hector, whatever you want to call him you know he's a goner. It's just a matter of how, what exactly did did Walt rig up? And, you know, that, and the tension came from not what's going to happen, but, but in what way. And I think in that sense, it was, it, it was not necessarily the sort of fireworks we're used to from a Breaking Bad finale, but I, I still think it was satisfying for the most part. And, you know, people also I've seen complain about, you know, as soon as we, it's also obvious as soon as we know that it's not rice and that it's Walt that did the poisoning, which is true. Um, it's still nice to get the confirmation of the plant 
uh, in his backyard because there is a there is a moment in the previous episode when he's spinning his gun and it points directly at the lily, um, which is yeah. something that other people cut on to. That's the one thing I didn't like about the episode, though, was the final shot. I don't think we needed the shot of the plant for th- for three reasons. Number one, we've seen the plant uh, in frame several times. Like you've seen the camera focus on that plant. They've been planning this for quite a while. So it would have been nice if we had just like the question mark, like did Weld poison a kid? And not necessarily have the conclusion at the end of the season because um, I think we all agree that the only way to end Breaking Bad is to have Walt confront Jesse. Season 5 has all got to be about Walt versus Jesse. Maybe with Hank also on the also on, on uh, chasing after Walt also. But it's all about Jesse versus Walt because I think everyone can agree that – and I've said this a million times before – the show relies on how much we care about Jesse. Because I think if you look back at all the seasons, all the heartbreak moments all revolved around Jesse. Like, you know, the, the saddest, most depressing moment in the whole entire series is when his girlfriend dies. And I think if it wasn't for his character, I don't know if I would have watched a show for four seasons. He's the one that kept me watching. And just quickly going back to what you said, Simon, about last night's episode. I think Kate's right. I think the reason why she wasn't as satisfied with the episode as everyone else on the internet was because she liked last week's episode. Like, she was satisfied with last week's episode, whereas everyone else was so unsatisfied with last week's episode. And that's the brilliance of episode 13. Face Off pretty much made the previous episode, which I believe was called um, End Times, yeah. just so much better. So it's like when we when we we're watching last night's episode. Not only were we impressed by last night's episode, but we were double impressed because we were thinking back on episode 12. And I think that's why it works so well, but it still had its moments. I mean, when Gus blew up, like, I don't know about you guys, but I wish I had a camera filming me. Like my, my reaction when I saw his, his face and when he slowly turns, um, a little cartoonish, but you know, it, it got one hell of a reaction out of me. Uh, it's it's you know the one thing I wasn't expecting out of this season was Vince Gilligan taking a page from the John Woo playbook of puns. Um, yeah, face off, really. Um, but uh, you know I have mixed feelings about that scene. I th- I think the actual explosion and not to mention the meth lab fire were both really really well done. Uh, it's not often that you see great uh, fire and explosion effects on TV. Um, the actual effect of uh, Gus having half of his face blown off and then adjusting his tie and then falling aired a little on the side of corny to me. I mean, it was nice. I was glad that he got an out that was sort of worthy of his personality. I kind of wish they'd done it another way, but I can definitely see why it got the, you know, sort of typical Breaking Bad, you know, holy sh- reaction. Yeah, but but Breaking Bad is sort of ridiculous at times. Like the whole concept of the show and it is one of the shows that survives because of its what the f moments you know what i mean and i don't know i kind of liked it even if it was cartoonish i thought i i don't know i loved it like i was freaking out when i saw gus slowly turn and half his like head missing yeah for me though it's interesting with the face-off title i think while yes it does reference the awesome two-face uh explosion we got i think that has far more to do with walt um, than with than with Gus, but I, the thing that I really liked about the explosion, uh, you know, that killed Gus and um, and Tyrus, 
and of course Tio, was that there wasn't a bunch of fire. It was just, you know, it wasn't the, you know, typical Hollywood fireball explosion-y kind of thing. And, and so I really appreciated that. For me, as soon as we saw Hector or Tio in the previous Leons at the beginning, I was like slip-macking my head, of course. You know, my original theory had been that Gus's underestimation of Jesse would would be what would undo him. And it was, in fact, his underestimation of, of Hector. And I appreciated that. Uh, but then as soon as as soon as Walt went to talk to him, uh, it for me, it was obvious that he was going to uh, blow up Gus via Hector. And as soon as he asked Hector if if he still wanted to go through with it, it was obvious to me that Hector was going to blow himself up using his bell as the trigger. And so for me, while the episode, first of all, had, you know, you, they weren't trying to have you guessing what's going to happen, but how, I, I didn't even have the how for most of the episode. Um, and so while I did appreciate the dramatic irony of the episode, and of course it's excellently acted, excellently written, you know, like for the most part, all the interactions are, are really fantastic. Um, and, and also probably because of what you said, Rick, that for me, I was coming off of what had been my favorite episode of the season and watching this, whereas so many other people were coming off of an episode that they were dissatisfied by and then watching this. And so, you know, they, there were different expectations going in. Um, it's still, yeah, it still was just not as successful for me. It was just sort of like a well done ticking off the list of this has to happen. This has to happen sort of a thing. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if that. Yeah, no, it makes sense, but I don't think I was looking for surprises with episode 13. I really just wanted them to wrap up whatever like stories or mess that they've created. And I mean, the thing is, I think we all needed Gus to die. Yeah, I agree. I, I believe that they Vince Gilligan said he was only going to do five seasons and not more. And I'm like, well, if you're going to do five seasons, there's one season left. If you still have Gus alive, how's how's it going to resolve properly in like an you know 13 episodes? And I think now with Gus out of the picture, like I said, it's all going to come down to Jesse versus Walt. That's how the show's got to end. And you know, God knows how how exactly they're going to resolve the the issue between them two. The only question mark I have. Is and I'm sure if I rewatch the episodes, I would probably figure it out. But how exactly did Walt get these poison cigarettes? Oh, he, he will remember. He will pat, patted him down at when he went to visit Saul rather intensively. Right. Uh, I would assume that's when he got it. And I'm, I'm the other issue I have with the ending. While I do think it's appropriate, and I, I did not like the slow push in on the the plant. I thought that didn't work, but um. Oh. But uh, I would rather just like a, maybe a pan over to it or something. I don't know. Not even because they they focused on that plant several times in the past, especially the last episode with the gun when when he was spinning the gun. Yeah, like, but not, you know the Breaking Bad audience isn't stupid. We know first of all we've suspected that Walt poisoned the kid, and we it, it was confirmed after the last episode when we found out that the poison wasn't ricin. You know it's not it, it wasn't Gus. It's Walt. Maybe you're just more of a botanist than I am, but I don't know what that plant well, is just by looking at it. I almost think they inserted that last shot just so that they wouldn't have a situation like they did at the end of last season, where everyone was like, "Did he really shoot Gail?" And then Vince <laughs> Gilligan was, was got, and then Vince Gilligan was like, "Are you retarded?" Yes, he did. 
Yeah, you know what? You're probably right, Simon. But they've mentioned that plant like way back, like even in like season one or whatever it was. Like, did they? Yes, this plant has been like I don't know how long they've been thinking about using this plant, but I've seen that plant and it's been mentioned before. Has it been mentioned as specifically Lily of the Valley? Yes, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure because as soon, see, here's the thing: as soon as Jesse went on the roof and he told Walt it was a flower called Lily of the Valley, whatever, I was like, bam, Walt. Like, I remember that that being in Walt's backyard. And sure okay. enough, the last shot confirms it was in Walt's backyard. So Maybe you're just psychic. Well, yeah, well and also, have, didn't you... Maybe I am remembering this incorrectly, but did you catch up with the series recently? Like, have you watched the older episodes more recently? Oh, no, it's because um, what I did was... I, and I should mention this. I wrote up a list of my favorite episodes and moments of Breaking Bad, the first three seasons. And what I'm doing right now is I'm writing up my favorite moments and episodes of season four. So I was rereading what I wrote from season one, two, three. And um, so it basically helped me refresh my memory. Okay. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why it's more fresh in your mind than, than in ours. Uh, but yeah, perhaps perhaps you're right and they didn't actually need to be that specific. Um, I want to go back to the scene on the in the parking garage at the end. Uh, who Who else thinks that... I mean, I feel like, and, and probably they'll address this next season, but Jesse should be smarter than that because he still is missing a cigarette and somebody had to have taken it. So if Gus didn't, which he now knows that he didn't, who did? And that, again, that, that takes him right back to Walt. So Yeah, but you're in the heat of the moment. Like, he's really emotional. Brock's in a hospital. He just found out he's okay. He's so emotional right now. He can't think straight. So He'll maybe that's just going to be for next year. Yeah, I'm telling you, he'll Kate, definitely figure it out. That's what season five's about. It's all got to be about Jesse versus Walt. Because you know what, Jesse? Okay, no. First of all, nobody in the show is really likable. All the characters do terrible things, including Skyler. Okay, because I know you like Skyler. She's horrible. <laughs> I hate Skyler. Hate her. She's worse than Walt. No, she's Any not. <laughs> oh yes, she is. So, um. So, yeah, but the thing is, regardless, Jesse's a character that I love the most. And he's shown more heart, more compassion, more loving care than, than anyone else in the show. And Walt has screwed him time and time again. Do you think he finds out about Jane? He, he's gonna he has out. to. He's, that's, how else? Okay, think about it. Now that Gus is out of the, the equation and the meth lad blew up, how would you end the show? Like, how, where can you go with season five? I was expecting it to come down to, to a showdown between uh, Walt and Hank. So Hank is going to, for sure, Hank will figure it out. But I don't think, like, when it comes down to the last episode or the last scene, it's not going to be Hank versus Walt. Yeah, I, you're right. I, I think when, when you talk about um, Jesse as sort of the heart of the show, I think that sort of gets to why, as much as I love season four, it's just a hair under season three for me because we didn't, get as much time uh, figuring Jesse out as I would have liked. We we spent most of the back half of the season with Walt. And when we do, when we do see Jesse, we don't really get his, uh, we don't really get to spend alone time with him figuring out his motivations as much. You know, we did get a few episodes at the beginning of him and his post killing state sort of in a, in a meth haze. That was, you know, pretty much what you'd expect. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that we sort of lost sight of him a bit, which I'm sure he'll be back in a major way next season. Um, especially with Gus out of the picture. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I I think for me, that was the only thing that was really missing for me in this season. I think that's why one of my favorite episodes from season four is uh, episode three, Open House. And it's directed by David Slade. And if anyone doesn't know who David Slade is, he he's done a, a bunch of feature films. He did um he he did the vampire movie Thirty Days of Night. Night. Yeah. He's, anyways, that was one of my favorite episodes, and it's it was so dark. It was like that episode was like a horror film, and that was the episode I really focused on Jesse, and he would have everyone over at the apartment or his house, and you know they would have like this like four day long party, and he was a mess. Yeah, so it's one of my favorite episodes, but. You're right, Simon, but I think, again, season four, like I said, the stakes have never been higher. Like, everybody's life has been on the line, including the baby. No one's ever threatened his kids before. That baby looks like it can take care of itself. <laughs> Holly, super baby? I yeah, like it. <laughs> I, I I think I'm with Simon on this, just because I absolutely agree, Rick, that Jesse is the heart of the show. And like you, I don't know that I would still be watching it. I mean, I'm sure I would be watching it just as a you know clinical appreciation of well executed you know uh television but i wouldn't actually care about the show i don't think if they had uh if they had actually killed jesse off when they were originally planning to um it would be such a different show now wouldn't it uh but mm-hmm. but yeah because of the various issues well i do think they have some of the best moments and the best episodes this season I do think overall there was too much of a a pacing problem for me. And that might be another issue with watching it um, back to back or on DVD in the future when when they come out, as opposed to watching it week to week. And I think that's something to tangent briefly that a lot of these serialized shows struggle with because when they're writing them and they're creating them, they're looking like they're, they don't have a week in between each, each, uh, plot you know each plot point they're continuing day to day to day uh rather and maybe there's not enough consideration for the fact that the viewers are going to have a week in between but oh well, i think the problem with breaking bad is uh you're right it's it, it has had an issue with pacing in season four but i think it's because they only have 13 episodes to work with and i think what they were trying to do is they were trying to rush to that conclusion and there wasn't a lot of like wow moments or moments with like huge explosions like no plane blew up in season four you know what i mean so yeah I think... but there were emotional equivalents to that they and they i don't buy that argument because they had the same number of episodes in previous seasons and they didn't have those pacing problems so they clearly can execute these kinds of uh of stories and this and maintain um a more a better or Maybe it's not better pace, but more even. I more would say. Even. Well, it's because season four started off immediately after he, um, the last episode of season three, like right away, like a minute later, right? And then there's like this time lapse, like we jump like a week ahead, then like a month ahead, then like a few more weeks ahead, and like you see one episode, Hank can't walk, and then five minutes later, Hank is able to walk. Like there's a huge jump in time and that's what i'm saying like like it's it's hard to explain like i think basically it's like if you look at season four like the actual timeline of season four is probably half a year maybe is that is that possible i I would say more like like a like a couple of months like two or three months yeah which is still much more usually than the previous seasons as i recall yes yeah Yeah, that's what i'm saying 
And I think that's the problem with the pacing. Well, and yet, even with that, the beginning of the episode, even with skipping all of that time, the beginning of the season that is dragged. And so, and, and I don't have a problem, like I said before, I don't have a problem with how slow they paced it, except that at the end of the, of the season, it felt a bit too rushed. Like, it felt like they skipped over some things. That's what I'm saying. It's because they have 13 episodes. You see, I love the first three or four episodes. Like, Simon, too, was saying it was really slow-paced. I'm like, what? I'm like, the first four episodes were incredible. But, like like I said, I, I don't know if they, were writing it, if they were writing it as they were filming it, but it seems like they got to episode four and are like, holy shit, we still have, like, this to do, you know, this, that, this. And they're like, wow, we've really got to, like, rush it and condense it all, like, as much as we can. Because there's one episode where, like, uh, Walt's no longer cooking. And then Jesse starts cooking. And then Walt shows up at the lab four days later. And he's been cooking for, like, four days. But, yeah. like, five minutes prior, it was, like, four days ago. Like, you know what I mean? Within one episode, it jumped four days within, like, a matter of a commercial break. Yeah, but that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is the amount of time spent on... For example, Beneke, and I was not a huge detractor of that plotline, but the amount of time spent on Beneke as compared to the amount of time spent with Jesse. That didn't, yeah. That's more my problem. Yeah. You know what's really strange about Breaking Bad <laughs> is technically I shouldn't really like this show because I'm, I really like shows that have really interesting supporting characters, interesting subplots. Like even like a show like Lost, which, you know, sort of did have its interesting subplots within each season. Like, I don't know, like, I feel like, how should I explain this? I feel like Breaking Bad, we're pretty much just waiting for that last season. Like, what exactly happens to Walt? Does he die? Who kills him? How, how, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like Breaking Bad is, is it, there's one major storyline and we don't really have many interesting supporting characters or subplots. I mean, we, we got the whole Ted and Skyler love affair, which no one gave a shit about. And it wasn't very interesting. And it lasted, like, what, like, three episodes, maybe? So it's just strange how the show gets us so hooked week after week with, like, essentially one major storyline. Well, and the thing is, they have interesting characters. They just don't always spend time with them. Like, they, maybe they should. For example, you mentioned Open House, one of the earlier episodes from the season. One of the things I liked about that more than anything else was the the time they gave to Marie, I really loved her her story in that episode and wished we she just disappeared in the second half of the season and I wish we would have spent more time with her because she went from you know it, they they went from spending time on her character and her interactions with Hank to apparently either it doesn't matter or it's all fine and dandy and everything's cool now you know and maybe it's just because I don't like Walt and I don't really care to spend time with him I I actually and uh, the opposite sort of Rick I I like the time we spend with Skyler for the most part. I like the time we spend with Walt Jr. I like the time we spent with Hank, with Marie, with Saul, which I, just to bring it back to the finale quickly, uh, I loved how Saul is, despite everything, he is an ethical lawyer. He shows up. Yeah, he does. He's a good lawyer. He's the kind of and lawyer that, you have. Yeah, and that also brings up the, uh, I loved how much humor there was in that finale. Like you, yes. you know, you know, awful things are going to happen, and yet the first half, all the way up to Hector spelling out vulgar things, um, <laughs> was chock full of humor, and that I loved. The the one scene that had me laughing so hard was Need D E A, and she's like, 
That's not a word. Come on, finish the word. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't. That, I didn't think that was funny at all. I was just kind of. Oh, oh I was I, like, uh, that was annoying uh, to me. Oh, uh, come on, Kate. But you know what, Kate? I'm not saying I don't like those supporting <laughs> characters. I do. I just wish they would do more with the supporting cast. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree like, with like, that. And like, I, I liked watching Marie go from house to house and steal things. Like, I thought it was, you know, funny and tragic, you know? <laughs> but I don't know. Um, Walt, you're right. I mean, Walt is the worst person in the world after Skyler, okay? <laughs> he poisons small children. I don't care how much you dislike her. She is not worse than him. Skyler would do the exact same if she needed to. No, she wouldn't. Um... And the thing that's so frustrating about Walt is he doesn't shut up. Like, even when, <laughs> like, even when in the last episode, when he's like, Jesse, think, think, Jesse, think. I'm like, Jesus Christ, would you shut up and give the guy a second to think? He never shuts up. That, like, oh, he's, a, oh, my God. Even if he wasn't a drug, like, not drug dealer, but if he, even if he wasn't, like, you know, involved in a drug world. I would hate him. Like, even if he was just a teacher or a man I saw walking down the street or he sat next to me in the bus, I would want to punch this guy. He's just, he's the worst person. <laughs> Oddly, and I guess this is just shows how my brain works. Uh, and that way he reminds me of the doctor and that if you just, if you don't let them talk, it's way easier to deal with them. It way e they're in their greatest strength is when people let them talk because they get yeah. their way out of things, you know? Only, of course, the Doctor is awesome and Walter White is evil. Um, and maybe I'm behind the curve on this one, but last week's episode, I forgot to mention it last week, but uh, I just made the connection of Mr. White and Mr. Pink. Men, you know, <laughs> just do you guys think that's an intentional Reservoir Dogs reference or? No. Maybe. I, I no, not at all. Really? Okay. I doubt it. I mean, maybe. I mean, he's he's clearly referencing several films. I mean, just recently, John Woo. Who would have thought, right? But I doubt yeah. it. Um, just... I think it's just coincidence. But back to Skylar. Okay, she's horrible, Kate. Horrible. <laughs> First of all, okay. See, here's the thing about Skylar is she's going along with everything. Like, that. like, she, like. I mean, she's she's in the dark with most of it. But you know what? If Walt went up to her and was like, hey, Skylar, I got to kill so-and-so so we can be safe and we can have lots of money. At the end of the day, she would agree. She's, she's a mom with a kid, with two kids, but specifically a, brand, a, born, a, a newborn. I don't know about you guys, but I would be like, fuck this shit. I'm going to like Hank, who's not only family, but part of the DEA. I mean, considering I just divorced you, you know, even though I had an affair and I'm a bitch and I'm a horrible person, too. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I still got like a baby to to care for and think and think about. So I'm just going to go to Hank and like bust you. But no, I mean, at the end of the day, she just wants the money. Well, that's the the problem. One of the problems I've expressed with this season and actually with parts of last season is that I felt that element to the character does not feel true to the character we saw for the past three seasons. When we got that scene last week between Skylar and Walt, where we actually could see that they, they do, in fact, care about each other, even though the show has never really shown us that before. Um, that's why I was so glad to get that scene, because it does it did feel like to me the Skylar we met in season one, two, and three would take the kids and run. Yeah, but you know, I think that's the reason why I really disliked last week's episode when I first saw it, was because... I just didn't buy into her reaction. Like she was all upset and crying when, you know, she had to go hide out at Hank's and 
he had to go take care of business. I was like, really? I'm like the same lady who didn't care if he died, like, you know, a, like a few weeks ago, the same lady who had an affair, like, that, like, like, it just Seriously? didn't make any sense. We're gonna, are we going to focus on the, she had an affair thing? How about he lied to her repeatedly and has done everything in his power to destroy their marriage. The I feel man like was there's... dying of cancer. No, just... oh, sorry. Oh, no, let's not get into this. <laughs> I'm just joking. I just hate Skylar. Like, I hope the show ends with her blowing up. Yeah, but do you hate her because she had an affair? Is that, no, like, I... the reason that you hate her? Did that... Is that what you know... started your Skylar hate? You know, okay, you, you know one of the reasons... Okay, one of the reasons why I love Jesse so much because Jesse is not afraid to admit who he is and he's realistic and he knows what kind of person he is. Like, when you get that scene when he goes back to the rehab center and he confronts the guy... Like, I, I love people who are real. I hate people who are fake. That's what I hate about Skylar. Like, even Walt. Okay. Like Walt's, Walt's come to the conclusion where he's like, you know what, I'm a bad person. Okay, does it not bug you every time Walt says, I'm doing this for my family? Because that's incredibly fake. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. I feel like we've been dominating this conversation too too much. Simon. I I'd like to I'd like to get back to the issue of, of seasons and I I think that uh it's funny because Breaking Bad I feel like went through the exact same uh quality arc as Mad Men, wherein mm. its first three seasons were were of ascendant quality and the fourth was a a bit of a downtick. I, I would say that uh Breaking Bad took less of a downtick than Mad Men did. Uh, I just decided that downtick is a word. Um, ah, I like it. And um, I, I also think that it's got a better chance of go, getting back to former glory than Mad Men does for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's because Mad Men's taking an insanely long time to come back to television. Um, that being said, uh, I, I still think it was uh, a really strong season. I, I agree with many of the points floating around. I would really like to see them strengthen uh, Skylar and Jesse next year. Uh, I'm really curious as to. I, I think there there will be more external forces uh, in next season uh, that aren't Gus. I'm not sure what they're going to be. I think we're going to see a lot of Gus and flashbacks. I think that's going to happen, uh, considering how much we saw Gale this season. Mm -hmm. I, th I don't think we've seen the last of Giancarlo Esposito. Who let's give him a hand for his great work. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's uh, Gus is one of the great TV villains, and um, yeah, I'm 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 excited to see. What happens next uh, next fall? Yeah, you know, I can see very much what you're saying. I do agree that if there has been a downtick, it's it's less than on Mad Men. While I do very much like Mad Men, um, I every now and again there feels like a, like a, a misstep or when they with they don't get something quite right. I feel like it's a more of a dramatic uh, uh, downtick <laughs> in the overall quality of the show than than on Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's you know it's hard for me to differentiate because I did catch up on the show this past summer, so I watched uh, the first uh, three seasons back to back to back. So uh, yeah, it's it's all sort of one blur in in my head. But uh, yeah, you know it's just I, I'm I'll, I think I have to wait to see what happens in season five. Much like for many people, the finale changed their opinion of the the penultimate episode. I think season five may affect how I feel about season four. Um, I'm, I'm a little nervous about the doing the half season, you know, to one season over two years. I'm not really excited about that, but, but it's definitely going to be a sad thing when Breaking Bad is no longer in the air. I think it's the best thing going right now. And, uh, 
I'm really looking forward to, you know, when they do come back. I, I'm, I'm used to having long wait periods due to Doctor Who, but it's, it's still going to be a hard off season. It is. All right. Well, I don't want to compare Breaking Bad to Mad Men because I don't like Mad Men. And I think Breaking Bad is one of the best shows ever made. Um, but if we're going to rank it in terms of what are the best seasons, well, you know what? Um, I'm looking at my list and the best episode ever was season three, episode 12, Half Measures. And because Mike the Cleaner sort of disappeared for the last like three episodes, um, I'm going to say season three is like the best season. Um, but again, I like season season four a lot more than you guys. And I think it's because I watched it back to back. Like I watched 10 episodes straight in one day and then I waited a week to watch the last two. And right now I'm making my list and five, if five or four episodes from season five, four have made it on my list. So I, I've listed off the 15 best episodes and moments. And there's still, I think there's five actually, five out of 15 from season four are on the list. So that's a pretty good season. Yeah, I, I think that last night's episode pretty much confirmed it's the best thing on TV right now and one of the greatest shows ever made. Of course, we're going to have to wait till season five to really, you know, I mean, because they could screw it up, right? But if all goes well in season five, then this is hands down one of the best shows ever made. They just got to make sure they don't screw up. Fair enough, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think there's probably a little doubt of that. I won't necessarily like what they do, but I, I think they'll probably do it well. Any final thoughts? Nope. Nope. Rick, you good? Uh, yeah, just check out the website, soundonsite.org, and my list should be on the spotlight section as of Wednesday. And uh, so, yeah, so when the show's up, I should have my list up. Yeah. Good times. Um, as ever, our intro and outro music is Sweet Petite by the Bicycles. Uh, we are we are looking for more contributors to the TV section, so if you are interested, please shoot us a line. Um you can contact us on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse, Simon. I'm at Sucker Howell. Um, you can email us at the Televerse at gmail.com. Or, uh, you, of course, we're on iTunes, so you, it would be great if somebody wants to rate us, uh, unless you hate the show. And then why are you listening? Because that seems kind of strange. Um, otherwise, you know, there will be a post up on the website, so you can leave a comment there. And I going want to thank, again, as, as I did at the beginning of the show, T-Mac, Sean, Dan, and the Zero uh, Pretension guys for your comments. Be like them. Send in a comment. Send in a tweet. They're cool. And you can be too. The Zero Pretension guys are listening to you? Yeah. Oh, awesome. But if you're going to leave a comment like the one I got on last week's review of Breaking Bad from uh, from You Know Who, maybe consider refraining. Oh, no, I thought that was oh, hilarious. You you know, that way you know that people are, are checking you out. If if, uh, if you don't get some hate mail, then I no, mean. Fair enough. Maybe, maybe that should be our new goal, hate mail, at, at some point. Please. Not, not yet. <laughs> no, no hate mail yet. I've already gotten no. enough. But um, yeah, so we should we should have some new contributors coming soon that we're pretty excited about. Don't want to say more than that. Don't want to jinx it. But um, yeah, you can keep checking us out at soundonsite.org, and we look forward to hearing from you. So uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Have a great week. <laughs>